You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Good morning. Good morning. Almost lost it. Okay. I'm going to read Peter 5, 6, 11. Therefore, humble yourself under God's power so that he may raise you up in the last day. Throw all your anxiety unto him because he cares about you. Be clear-headed. Keep alert. Your accuser, the devil, is on the prowl like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in in the faith. Do so in the knowledge that your fellow believers are enduring the same suffering throughout the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the Lord of all grace, the one who calls you into his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself restore empower, strengthen, and establish you to be, to him be power forever and always. Amen. Well, hello again. So we should all cast our cares to Jesus. We should let Jesus carry everything that is too heavy for us. The end. That's it. That's the message. I'm done. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. See, at some point in our lives, someone told us that is what that passage means. Probably because we were either too young to absorb more, or that was all we could handle at that time. But that's not all this passage is saying. That's just the part that feels good to us. It's a great memory verse. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The idea of letting God handle the difficult stuff, it's not unique to First Peter. King David said the exact same thing in Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. It seems too simple of an answer. You didn't study for a test? Cast your cares upon Jesus. Didn't take your medicine? Cast your cares upon Jesus. Don't show up to work? Cast your cares upon Jesus. It's so simple of an answer that most times we do the opposite and we act as if this verse is not even there. We want to do everything we think it is within our reach to do before we go to God. We work too much because we don't want to think of the consequences if we don't. We struggle with a subject in school for too long before we ask for help. We juggle multiple things every day, and we use God as our last resort. 
Only when there is nothing else to do, then we pray. So that's not healthy either. So let's get into the text. According to the CEB Bible study, the book of 1 Peter is a letter written to encourage Gentile Christians. And that means Christians who were never part of the Jewish tradition. That means most of us in this room. Peter wants us to embrace our identity as Christ followers. He wants us to understand who we are in relationship to the Old Testament people of God. He wants us to remain faithful to Christ in the face of pressures to conform to the larger world's social and religious values. That concept applied to them back in the first century, and it is very relevant to us now in the 21st century. You should know there is a debate as to whether or not Peter was the actual author of the book, or if it was written by a later Christian in his name because of the low literacy rate of that time. Instead of relying on written documents, the people of the first century in that part of the world relied on the oral tradition, where a person's word held great value. But whether Peter was holding the quill pen or not, the treasure of this letter he wrote is in the fact that he personally walked with Jesus. He was a first-hand witness to the teachings, the miracles, and the power of the Messiah. And he's speaking to people who were alive at the time of the Passion. They saw Jesus being crucified. And they either saw the resurrected Christ or they knew somebody who knew somebody who gave an oral and trusted account that Jesus came back to life. So in this text, Peter is drawing up a battle plan for Christians to use when facing difficult times. Now, the text of 1 Peter that we read today is actually a response to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 14. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's suffering, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. The header for this passage is suffering as a Christian. I'll notice the Bible didn't say suffering while human. It says specifically suffering as a Christian. It implies that when we decide to follow Jesus, we are saying that we live our lives by higher standards. Remember John Wesley's general rules, do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. And we do that by attending to our spiritual disciplines like praying, fasting, attending worship, and etc. And Peter is saying that because we have chosen to live our lives according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will be tested. He doesn't necessarily say that God is the one doing the testing. He just says that we will be tested. Now, have you ever tried 
to go on a diet. The moment you say you're going to quit eating cake is the same day someone in the office or at school will bring the most delicious cake you have ever seen. Or whatever it is you say you're going to abstain from shows up and tempts you. Does that mean God is testing you? Not necessarily. You're just being tested. Now, Peter says, do not be surprised. Not if, but when you go through a fiery ordeal. Have you ever been through a fiery ordeal? It's like when you extinguish a fire and another one comes up. When you deal with a problem at work and then a problem comes up at home, then a problem shows up at school, then you deal with that, but then a health problem shows up at the same time. And all of a sudden, it feels like that's all you do. You are surrounded by fires. All you're doing is dealing with problems everywhere. Peter said, do not be surprised when it feels like the world is conspiring against you, but rejoice. Because you are sharing in Christ's suffering. A major characteristic of the suffering of Jesus is that he did nothing wrong. When we are in the wrong and we suffer the consequences, well, that stings. But we know we deserve it. But it kind of feels worse when we are suffering without having done anything to cause that suffering. And that is sharing in Christ's suffering. You know how he felt. Peter goes on and says, don't get mad, get glad, rejoice, because the suffering will give you an an opportunity to see God's glory revealed. Friends, what if our default mode when we are in the middle of a fiery ordeal was, I cannot wait to see how God is going to show up in this situation. I cannot wait to see how God is going to turn this around for the glory of the name of Jesus and for my good. I should tell somebody while I'm suffering now because when God comes through for me, I want to share the good news and I want others to see how God is taking care of me. What if instead of being anxious, we would default to trust? I wonder if Peter knew that firsthand. When we read the Gospels, we see that Peter had a short fuse. He comes across as a loud extrovert who would sometimes speak before thinking things through on impulse. He was quick to react and even got into a feud with the Apostle Paul. But at the same time, Peter proved to be loyal and he was a part of Jesus' inner circle. I wish Peter had recorded his testimony. When he's talking about going through through these trials and all the things that we are about to talk about, uh, was he speaking out of his personal experience? Did he get the revelation but was still on his own journey? Did he bear some of the fruits of the Spirit like peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control that he much needed? As one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, Peter was surprisingly impulsive. And in the Gospels, it seems like he was sometimes clueless as to what was going on as he walked with Jesus. So when I read his letter, it sounds as if Peter was, Peter is looking back and telling us about the lessons that he learned. So 
Tell us, Peter, what are we to do during the fiery ordeals? So Peter says, number one, humble yourselves. And what does that even mean? He says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He's not saying, well, go ahead and show the world how humble you are. No, it means to first acknowledge to God that you can do nothing that has eternal purpose and that will produce lasting and excellent results for you and for others without divine help. We can all do tasks and perform well, but when we live by higher standards, our mission is to not just live for ourselves, but to insert good into the world. That's doing good. Let's humble ourselves. Let God set the goal. Let God lead the way. And let's put ourselves in the posture of servants. Let's say, hey, God, here's a problem. Where are we going? What are we doing about this, God? How will this difficult time in my life produce good that will benefit not only me, but also those around me? And then we'll listen and we obey. So step one is to humble ourselves. And look, there is a promise attached to that step. If we humble ourselves, God will exalt us. Can you imagine being exalted by God? Who can bring you down if you have been exalted by God? Now that's God making things interesting for us humans. Do you want to be exalted? Well, humble yourself. Okay, Peter, so what's next? Step two, according to scripture, is to cast our anxiety on God because God cares for us. Now, that is a very adequate step because when we humble ourselves and ask God to lead us, then our tendency is to stress because we are not in control. God does not work according to our timeline and our deadlines. And God doesn't always reveal every detail of how things will be handled. So what do we do? We stress. We worry. And we say, but what about this? What about that? And it is at this precise moment when we need to cast our cares, our burdens, our problems, and our anxieties anxieties on Jesus. But not before we have given over control. Overcoming a difficult situation does not start with casting our cares. It starts with giving God control. So you have listened, you have obeyed, and now step, step two is rest. Don't rest first and just cross your arms. Quit trying to control the situation yourself. Listen, obey, and then rest. Okay, so we are on a road, Peter. What is step three? Discipline yourselves, he said. Uh, Wesley's general rules, stay in love with God by attending to the spiritual disciplines. If you're not practicing the means of grace, which are reading scripture, praying, 
participating in communion and worship, feeding the hungry, seeking justice, what we call our spiritual disciplines, well, then get started. That's what Peter says. He uses this imagery of evil being like a lion lurking around to devour someone. That means that temptations around us during those times can be quite overwhelming. The temptation of being rude to a customer service rep while they are trying to help you solve your problem. The temptation of being angry and lashing out your anger at your loved ones because you are frustrated the problem is not solved yet. Peter is saying, hey, pay attention. It is in those times when we are most vulnerable to do harm. So discipline yourselves so you won't make the situation worse. Don't act like you don't know that God is handling it. So maybe you have let yourself get comfortable and have succumbed to the unhealthy patterns of sin. Well, this is your wake-up call. Peter is reminding you of the call you received when you accepted Jesus into your heart and reminding you that Jesus has set a blueprint for this new life you say you want to live. This new life is free. It's a gift. But I'm not going to lie to you. Changing the neural pathways of your brain can be a challenge, and especially hard in the beginning when you're trying to change your habits. You have probably heard that it takes 28 days to form a new habit. And those are the hardest days because sometimes it's hard to be consistent. And that is why I wish all of you were in a small group. I wish everyone who is hearing me right now had a group of people to encourage and to be encouraged. A group of people you can say, you know what? I've been a Christian for 50 years and I still don't pray every day, but I like to. So they could come alongside you and say, hey, have you tried prayer beads or guided meditation? Or maybe you've been a Christian for 100 years and have read the whole Bible 50 times and still don't understand most of it. Well, get together with a group of people who can help you make this change you crave a reality. This Christian journey was not meant to be lived alone. So join a group or start one. Find your tribe. Then we move on to step four, which is resist. Peter says, resist. Resist the urge to lash out. Resist the urge to turn to vices that might cause you to sin. Resist eating the cake. Resist berating your family. Resist turning to alcohol. Resist turning to drugs. Resist numbing yourself in front of the screen. Resist getting offended and stop coming to church. Resist and rest in knowing that you are not the only one going through that. You are not the only one suffering. Others around you are also in the fiery ordeal. Why me, God? Why me? It's not just you, my dear child. You are not alone. So if you find yourself overwhelmed by situations and problems in your life, here's Peter's prescription. One, hand control over to God. Two, rest. 
Three, stay in love with God by disciplining yourself. Four, do no harm. And what's sin for us? You know, we humans, we have to see what's in it for us. Well, verse 10 says, And after you have suffered for a little while, just a little while. So that means the suffering won't last forever. The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself do what? Restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. That's what verse verse 10 says. So four steps and four promises. So hand over control to God so you can be restored. Rest as God is the one supporting you during that time. Stay in love with God by disciplining yourself so that you can be strengthened and do no harm, resist, so God can establish you. And to God be the power forever and ever. Amen.